Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Good, Bad, and Ugly of Business. I'm your host, Katrin Becker. In this episode, or in all of our episodes, we love to talk about, hey, a smart man learns from his mistakes while a genius learns from others. And so we really bring in experts from all different fields because there's way more that brings us together than separates us. And by learning from what others have learned, we can either avoid those mistakes ourselves or we can learn to fail faster, which is really the ultimate goal. So in today's episode, we are still staying in the vein of marketing, but we're taking it in a different direction. And we're learning really about the value of specialization and that the phrase, the riches are in the niches, really is a true statement, especially for today's guest, who is Katie Stoddard. And she is the founder and marketing director, or sorry, excuse me, managing director. I'm already in the marketing mindset right now um, for a great company called Ed to Market. So Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So we were talking before I started recording mm -hmm. and she was saying all of these great things. And I was like, oh, God, stop. We got to like, wait and put this in the recorded version. So please let the audience know what was your journey to come to found ed to market. Sure. So I, it's honestly, it's a 20 year journey for me. And, um, I started as a classroom teacher. I was a middle school teacher back in the early 2000s. Um, God, I, I have a middle schooler. God bless you. <laughs> it was, you know, I was in my early 20s and really didn't know what I was getting into, but I loved it. But I just knew there was something else for me and something a little bit different. Um, I didn't see myself as a long-term teacher. And um, so, yeah, so I, after spending a couple years in the classroom, I moved on to educational publishing. And um, as an English teacher, I took a job as an editor a publishing company and it was a really excellent position. I kind of grew with that company a little bit um, and eventually um, found myself in, you know, staying in education, moving on to a publishing, another publishing company, and then eventually getting into marketing. And so I really, you know, kind of have this unique career path where I spent most of my time at about three different publishing and professional learning companies in education. And it was honestly a little bit on accident. I didn't really plan to have this long career in education publishing. It was just these opportunities came up. I was able to move around. And I really, you know, looking back, had this really just interesting, very valuable um, experience kind of in a couple different places and a couple different roles. Um, but while all this was happening, I always, you know, really from the very beginning had this idea that I wanted to do something on my own. I wanted to work for myself. And it's so funny because it's like, I had no idea what that was. I have, you know, it, kind of going back, like all these random business ideas I've had, like start a cupcake shop or, you know, things like this, totally different than anything I've ever done professionally. Um, but I just didn't know what my thing was, um, even though, to be honest, it was right in front of me the whole time. And <laughs> But isn't that so, always the case? I, I know. It's, it's always it's like right there. So, funny, like looking back on it, why that never really crossed my mind. Um, but, and now I, and I love it. I love what I do. And, you know, running this marketing agency has been so amazing. And so early 2020, I kind of finally, you know, I was in a position that really wasn't the right fit for me. And, um, I finally just decided it was time to leave. Um, I, 
honestly left without anything planned. And I just started freelancing to pay the bills. Um, and, you know, in the end, it was like such the best timing. I had three small kids at home. It was the start of the pandemic. It allowed me a lot of flexibility yeah. um, and able to to be home and, and enjoy that time with them as funny and crazy as it was. And um, during it that was time, a crazy time. Like, <laughs> yes. like yes. everything's, you know, quote unquote <laughs> normal now, but man, it was wild. I know. I think at the time when I had four year old twins and a three year old. And so it was, <laughs> it was different, but it was, it was fun. And it was like, I actually reflect on that time positively because we got a lot of fun at home time and just, you know, I got to enjoy that sort of being a stay at home mom while still sure. um, you know, starting to launch this business. And Best so of both worlds. I know, I know exactly. So, um, so yeah, so I freelanced for a while, um, mostly in the marketing and content development space, and mostly for companies in education too. Although I wasn't specializing, I was really taking anything at the time. Um, and so, eventually, it grew and grew, and um, it really just happened organically. Um, likely because of the fact that a lot of education companies were, you know, laying folks off, and then realized that they needed support, and so. Mm-hmm. It just happens quickly. And all of a sudden, I was in a place where I needed to look at starting to hire additional help and build a team. And I launched Ed to Market. And so at that time, I decided um, because most of the clients that I had were in the education space and most of the team that I had built was were folks that I'd worked with in the past that it made sense to specialize and to really kind of double down and, and focus on what we knew and, you know, what we were experts in. I think it was Warren Buffett. He has some quote and I'm totally paraphrasing here. Cause I didn't pull it up. Cause I didn't want to not be listening to what you were saying, <laughs> but it's something about like the focus on what, you know, yeah, something yes. to that effect. And there's a lot to that because yes, while I may know a lot about eating cupcakes, <laughs> I would know nothing about starting a, bi- a bakery. <laughs> And and what that would look like. So um, Mm -hmm. it really does make sense. But I would love for you to talk a bit more about kind of what are the ink. ink, Hold on. I can say this word. Nope, I can't say it. The details (laughs) uh, around the um, education space that make marketing specifically to them work rather than, you know, a larger agency that um, hits all the different industries. Sure. So great question. Um, And again, this is like a good reflection for me back on when I was a marketing director and CMO and why I never kind of made this connection and thought, hey, I should start a marketing agency. Um, We used to hire marketing agencies um, back in my publishing days. And we would always be so frustrated because it always took more work for us to onboard them and talk to them about, you know, what we do and who we serve and kind of, you know, the, the personas that we needed to reach. And it always just felt like we were paying thousands of dollars to take all of our time and, mm. you know, get them up to speed for months. And it just never worked. And um, so when I was building Ed to Market, that was really what I wanted to be. I wanted to be that resource for companies in this space. So for us to be able to jump in and say, hey, we get it. We understand how school districts function, you know, who's budget decision makers versus who's the end user and how we have to influence teachers, but really it's the principal or um, a district level decision maker who's actually making that budget decision and that purchase. And so we see that with so many of our clients who, 
you know, have actually ha- some of our best clients are the ones who've had bad experiences with regular mm-hmm. marketing agencies. Um, and not always bad, but maybe not quite the impact that they've wanted to have. Um, because agencies in general don't always understand how schools work. Um, just how I would not be the right marketer for your restaurant restaurant, or for your real estate company or something like that, just because I don't get those markets inside and out. And so sure. we um, have built this team. Everyone on our team has pretty significant experience in education, um, especially our you know client-facing folks. We have some former educators and administrators on our team. Most of our team has experience in education marketing. And so we just, we get the language of schools. We understand how, you know, teachers or principals or any roles within schools, um, you know, the, the language they want to see in email campaigns or in social media or ads and kind of what, what problems are keeping them up at night. Um, and we interact with schools a lot too, as part of our job, we're constantly talking with teachers, talking with school leaders. And so we've really, you know, kind of um, dug deep in this space and really kind of understand the challenges that these audiences face and are able to then translate it to how to, you know, best support companies who are helping solve problems in schools. I love that so much. And I also am so confused (laughs) and I'll explain explain why. Like I'm thinking about my kids in public Mm -hmm. school and I'm like, what marketing would be done for them? Like what communications? And you mentioned like the, the emails and stuff. So they don't write those themselves or is it depend? So, so good question. So the clients that we serve are actually the companies who are selling products and services to schools. So think like curriculum companies, all the different ed tech apps that, you know, you're using for remote learning or that your kids are using at school to further their learning, Um, professional learning for educators to upskill them um, and to give them resources to be stronger in the classroom. So anything that's impacting teaching and learning, those are the companies that are selling to schools and districts. And so those are the folks that we're serving. Got it. Got it. So they've got their product, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and they want the teachers, principal district level to purchase it. But those people, just because whatever the product they made, like say, if it's, you know, an app, that's their focus. So you're kind of the, you know, connective tissue in the conduit based on knowing what the end user is looking for. Exactly. And, and being able to, you know, do things like um, differentiate it from other apps that are out there. There are hundreds of thousands of apps um, and so many more popped up during pandemic years when it came to, you know, virtual teaching as parents, we probably were so annoyed by all these things. Like Um, four different apps and only two kids. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, wait, where do you log on? You know, trying to teach a five-year-old how to zoom. That's fun. Um, And so, (laughs) So yeah, so it's it's all those instructional things, you know, whether it's curriculum or or apps or you know things like that or professional learning, like I said. Um, so really, those are the you know products and services. And school districts often have a lot of you know, or you know, a good amount of funding. I shouldn't say a lot because it it varies. Um, and so there's funding available both at the state and local levels, at the federal levels. And different things like that. And so there's money available for a lot of these resources at times, um, and really depending on size, the district and the population and things like that. And so that's what our role is, is to, you know, ensure that schools have the best products and, and resources that they need to impact teaching and learning. 
Okay. So if you don't want to answer this question, I will edit it out <laughs> and you don't have to name names. <laughs> I know you're really thinking, oh gosh, what is she going to ask? But are there ever any clients or potential clients that come to you with a product that you're like, no, I just can't do this. Yes. Um, there are, you know, when it comes to education and I think we've all seen this as students, we've witnessed this as parents, there are educational resources that are not impactful and that don't move the needle when it comes to student learning. Um, and so we typically are working with clients who um, have shown impact or um, if they're in a startup phase that really have some data to support their impact. Um, and if not, because, you know, that data that's going to support impact is such a huge piece of marketing when it comes to education, because no school leader or district leader is going to invest money in something that hasn't been proven. Sure. Um, they might pilot it or, you know, things like that, but um, they really, you know, and I think just in terms of anyone's due diligence, you need to be able to prove that impact of a curriculum resource or an instructional resource if you're a school decision maker. So sometimes, you know, companies will come to us um, and have ideas um, or, you know, have products that they've, you know, potentially launched at a local school or something like that. Typically, I'll be honest, those companies that kind of have these crazy off the wall ideas that we don't totally believe in as an organization or, or don't feel like are going to have that impact um, on student learning. Um, they also usually don't have the budget because, mm -hmm. you know, they haven't been funded or they haven't, you know, gotten enough customers off the bat um, in order to, to show that impact. And so oftentimes we'll help them kind of navigate how they can you know, ensure that their product um, does have that efficacy data to support it. Um, and there's, you know, resources out there to help that. But typically, it kind of, you know, we've been lucky where, you know, when those conversations have come up, um, it's kind of fallen by the wayside on its own. Um, but yes, I mean, at, at the end of the day, we would not um, support a client whose product or service we don't believe in. Um, just like, you know, we've um, niched down to really supporting, you know, teaching and learning. And so we won't work with um, a client who's like, for example, a food service company who's trying to sell um, their food products to schools and school districts. That's just not our, we, we don't understand that space quite as yeah. well. Um, and so it's really those things that are like impacting what happens within, you know, classrooms. And so um, you know, there's construction companies who've come to us in the past. And again, there's that one might be sometimes construction companies can impact learning because you're building learning spaces that make um, sense for, you know, unique situations or whatever that is. But um, we really focus more on those products that impact teaching and learning. And that that's the big thing that there, there's proven impact there. Uh, okay. Thank you for answering that. And it what I think is the biggest takeaway for any business owner in any industry is it seems like there's human nature to have a scarcity mindset to think like, you know, especially if you're just starting out, you know, getting those clients coming in that it's, it's a really, um, it's really, you know, you, you're wanting to like hire, you know, be hired by anybody. You'll take on any mm -hmm. client because you want that, that income to be coming in. So I love the idea of, you know, you niched down so much into the education space and then kind of took it even a step further. Like, okay, yes, the education space is a small world, but we're taking it even smaller to just what's impacting the classroom itself. So 
-hmm. was that always your mindset? Was that always the intention or did it just over time? That's kind of how it's developed as you've grown and evolved as a leader. It's really developed over time. And honestly, it kind of goes back to the start. I was paying the bills being a freelancer and um, it just, you know, but the contacts that I had after spending 20 years in education were, you know, primarily in the education space. And so the work that was coming in for the most part was in the space. And I had a couple other clients. I had um, a client who was an author more in kind of the HR kind of coaching space. And it was, you know, there was some, you know, it was somewhat related to what we were doing because we were working with a lot of authors and things like that. But we did have a conversation after a few months that we were going to specialize in education and and we kind of um, offloaded that client and really kind of set them up for success with with another partner that could help them even more. Um, And so it, you know, wasn't, for us, we kind of, most of our clients were in this space already. I think we had a couple other sort of one-off projects in the beginning that were um, a little bit outside of education, but it just kind of became easy to really specialize in this space because all of, most of our clients were in this space. And it's what we knew and where I felt, felt comfortable. And we realized quickly, and when I say we, I really mean I, realized quickly <laughs> that like when I bring on a project that was sort of a one-off, um, you know, I just felt uncomfortable. And I felt like I was doing a little bit more guessing than I'd like to as a marketer. Um, And so there were some things that we did, you know, probably for lower costs than we wanted to do. But, um, you know, just to kind of keep that work coming in, um, and really build a portfolio. But at, at some point, it was really easy to transition. And we didn't have to offload, you know, multiple clients, it was really just this one. And then we stopped taking projects that were outside education. So I love that. And you've grown, right? You're now, it's not Mm -hmm. just you. So what does the team look like and um, how do you manage your team? Sure. So we have, um, we have grown. So um, at this point we have four full-time employees. Um, We're a completely virtual company. So I'm based in Colorado and our team is really all over the country. Um, and, And we are a global company. We're supporting education companies around the world right now. And um, so our team is made up of um, marketers who kind of specialize in different areas. So we have one who specializes more in kind of technical marketing, think like website, SEO kind of, um, you know, functions, one who's a little bit more digital and social media savvy. Um, Myself, I'm more focused on content development and strategy. Um, And then we have um, an executive assistant for the agency. And um, we also have a pool of contractors that we've really built up over the last couple of years. And um, we're very picky, you know, obviously we want folks who have this experience in education. And so um, we've been able to kind of capture folks who have experience for education companies or um, have been former, you know, teachers or school leaders or, you know, things along those lines. And so we've built up this really strong pool and that's, you know, that's how we um, value ourselves really to our clients. And when, when we're talking about our expertise, we talk in, about the team um, and kind of who we have and why we've built our team in this way. Um, so, yeah, so that's the the team right now. We're growing. We're currently hiring a couple of account managers to support us as well. And so we're excited about kind of where to next when it comes to ads market. Well, I'm very excited to to see how it goes and continues, you know, because when you're setting up a team, there's you know, a couple different ways you could do it, right? You could have like 
you know, one person doing all the steps for a couple different clients, but it sounds like everyone has their, their special out special. Gosh, I cannot talk today. <laughs> it's early. It's early here. So. Oh my gosh. Uh, I haven't finished my tea. That is what's going uh, on right yeah, now. So I'm yeah. tongue tied, uh, but everyone having their own special area of focus. And so how do you manage workflow, um, with that, with each person taking on, you know, a different aspect of, of a project? Um, that's a really good question. And I think something we're sort of figuring out, um, on the back end a little bit, because, um, it's kind of a client by client, um, thing right now where, um, you know, especially the three full-time marketers, myself included, are sort of involved probably a little bit too much in every single client. And so we're trying to streamline that. And that's one of the reasons that we're bringing in a couple account managers to help that. But even those account managers, one of the things when we posted those open positions, one of the requirements was that they had some experience in education. Um, you know, again, whether that was at a school site or, you know, for an education company. And um, we've gotten some really great candidates. So we're excited. Um, so I think we have a lot of learning and growth to do when it comes to kind of managing um, projects. And, and this is probably growing pains of a small company where sure. all three of us right now are sort of managing clients and doing the work and, you know, really figuring it out as we go. Um, and we've gotten to the point where we need account managers to help manage those projects more so we can focus on the work. And I like for myself, I really want to get to the point where I'm focusing on strategy and, you know, thought leadership, business development, things like that to help further the organization. I know our um, director of marketing operations wants to focus more on those processes and, and kind of back end things a little bit more. So we're excited about the opportunity of kind of bringing some people on to help us prioritize some of these, you know, the client management um, so we can continue to build these things that'll help us grow. Sure. You know, I feel like with most of the recent guests um, that I've been speaking with, I'd be, it'd be remiss to not bring up AI and the impact that mm -hmm. it's having in all these different industries. And some people I talk to, they think, you know, no, they don't see how it could impact them. Others are saying, yeah, it's, it's a huge disruption to the industry. Um, what is your take on some of these large language models like chat GPT and, and the accessibility that, that we all have to them now? Um, that's a great question. And I think um, I kind of have two opinions on it because as an agency owner, and we do a lot of content development, our first reaction was kind of some nervous nervousness around it because, um, you know, when a client is paying for a blog, for instance, um, really quickly that conversation can turn into, well, I should just use chat GPT. I shouldn't, you know, pay you anymore for this. Um, but I think, you know, as marketers, and I think a lot of people are just understanding this in general, is you still, you know, in order for a piece of content to be successful, um, you know, putting it into chat GPT and hoping to get out this great blog is probably not going to happen. I mean, I, but with that said, I absolutely, um, we use ChatGPT, we use other AI tools such as adcreative.ai and other ones as well um, to support the work that we're doing. And so we use it for a lot of like prompting types of things. So for example, um, I love it when it comes to like subject lines for emails. And so we might have an idea, we might, you know, we obviously have an idea of what the content in the email is going to be, 
We know what the tone is going to be. So we use a lot of like kind of prompting things when it comes to chat GPT, our whole team does, and we love it and we get such creative output from it. And, you know, it allows us to kind of um, transition campaigns in a different way versus always having a single voice or a single writer on everything. And so, um, or it's like, sometimes, you know, as a writer, you're like, the sentence or something like it's just not working. Yeah. Um, I'm going to chat GPT and like help me clean it up a little bit. And it just like really sparked some ideas. And so as a marketer, I've really kind of like grown. I love chat GPT. I love some other AI tools too. And um, I think it's, you know, helps us do our jobs better. It does not replace what we do by any means. And I think, you know, when, when we have clients who are replacing writing tasks with chat GPT without any additional support on it. Um, we've seen, you know, some negative quality and some negative impact because you're not thinking about things like SEO and keywords and, you know, things along those lines when you're dumping something into chat GPT. So, um, so yeah, I think I, I love these new tools. It's been fun to kind of play around with some, some were like, eh, that was a bust, didn't really work. Others were like, wow, this is really, you know, allowing us to, create some great content or, you know, some great images or things like that in a, you know, quicker way and allowing us to focus um, our time on other things for clients. So um, it's been, you know, kind of fun to check out some of these tools. There's like new ones every day. So I feel like there's a handful that we really like. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's figuring out how to use it best versus just thinking these tools replace the entire content development process. I, I agree completely. I, you know, I've seen, um, like, I feel like you can see on different platforms, like when someone's just taken it straight out of chat GPT mm-hmm. and I'm like, wow, none of your content ever sounded like this before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it's the quality of what you put in, of course, too. Like, you know, how detailed you get with it to be able to really, to really utilize it. And I'm kind of of the mindset of, you know, it's here, you know, how can we utilize it and optimize it the most, um, to make our lives easier. Cause that's, that's what technology that what technology really does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another question I have for you is definitely along the lines of, you know, you've been in the education space for so long, you know, you've worked in the front lines, you had students, you were a teacher. Now you're seeing it from a different perspective. What are some of the like trends that you're seeing within the space and, and how it's evolving and growing because there are so many more technology apps. There are, you know, my kids both one's in junior high and one's in elementary school and they were both issued laptops. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like kids having laptops is, is now a thing. Like I'm old enough to still remember like having to go to the library to use a PC. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I think that's a great question. And I think, you know, there's always going to be trends in education right now. AI is absolutely um, a big trend. And then just providing students with um, resources to kind of build their digital literacy. We've seen this, you know, over the last couple of years as just being kind of an ongoing thing because um, that world of computer science, whether it's coding or AI or other things, is just kind of common language in schools now and for students and really in the real world. And so it's just kind of providing um, kids with the, the resources around that to navigate that world effectively. Um, I think other kind of trends that we've seen, um, which, you know, in a very positive way are 
things around social emotional learning or SEL or more so even mental wellness. Um, and we've seen it for kids a lot in the last, you know, five years or so. But I've been really excited that we're seeing a lot more of that mental wellness focus for educators, too, um, because educators are leaving the field right now um, in masses. And it's very sad. Um, and it's very, you know, it, but I understand the frustrations, the burnout, the, you know, the low pay, things like that. And so we, um, you know, those things that are really supporting teachers, mental wellness, and their, you know, professional learning and their growth um, are things that we're really excited to see. Um, and then so many other things, you know, we love seeing things around like kind of building those 21st century skills in students to help them be critical thinkers, to help them, um, you know, present um, in front of peers and adults and um, collaborate in groups together and the things that are going to help kids um, be effective in the real world. And so, you know, we there's a lot of data that shows that, you know, most of the jobs that our students will have um, who are in elementary schools today don't even exist yet. And so yeah. we can no longer prepare kids for jobs. We have to prepare them for you know, just the workforce in general. And so um, we, you know, see a lot of kind of work towards that. And it's so funny, and I'm sure you see this as a parent too, the kind of work that our kids bring home right now is so different than homework that we did. And it's inspiring and great because a lot of the worksheets I did for math and for English and things like that when I was a kid um, aren't really helping me move along right now. And so seeing yeah. some of the work that my kids are doing now, it's, it's encouraging um, that they're really going to be, you know, set up to be successful. And that's why, you know, when we're working with clients that we really believe in their products and services, it's exciting because we see that impact that our work is doing because at the end of the day, it's providing, you know, student outcomes that are going to help them, you know, be better, humans, um, you know, in their current um, academic journey, as well as well beyond that. I, you know, what <laughs> I cracked myself up. So when you were talking about the jobs that our kids now will have in the future don't mm -hmm. exist yet, <clears throat> I think about math class and, you know, the teacher being like, you know, you're not always going to have a calculator in your pocket. And literally now we have... Yeah. The entire internet, do, yeah. you know, we've yes. got a calculator, we've got an encyclopedia Britannica, mm -hmm. like everything in, in our pocket. And so I think a lot about, um, how much in learning and the education system was just memorization versus learning how to think and how to be creative and how to keep our, you know, imagination, because it's not about just memorizing facts. Like we have facts mm -hmm. at our fingertips. Um, so for me, I, I really hope that there's more going in that direction. Um, so I'm not sure if that's anything that you've seen or you want to comment upon. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, there's definitely a lot more when it comes to like critical thinking and things like that. Um, and, you know, there's, there's one, um, it's a client that we have, but this is actually, um, a pro bono client. Um, it's a company called the Floyd experience. Um, and the way that I connected with them is they actually run their programming at the elementary school that my kids go to. And it's such a cool program. And it's um, all around, it's actually this whole like um, Swedish um, 
kind of concept around woodworking and literally they have second graders woodworking but oh my um, and using tools which is like you know a little terrifying as a parent but it's so <laughs> it's so amazing um and what I loved about it was it was it you know they're building these woodworking skills and that's great but it actually the whole con the whole idea of the program has nothing to really do with woodworking as much as it's around like um, building kind of grit and being able to make mistakes and start over and this concept of it's okay to make mistakes and, you know, really yes. reflect on what you did wrong here. And let's, you know, kind of create the plan to think about how we can redo it next time. Um, and, you know, having, I had second grade twins last year and neither of them were really excited because woodworking was like, why, you know, they, they weren't really into it. But by the end of the school year, it was their favorite day of the week when they had that Sloyd programming. Um, and, it was just so impactful. And I could hear them, you know, in their language and talking with us, talking about like, oh, well, I made a mistake here. It's okay. I'm just going to start over and, and figure out what I did wrong and really kind of using that language, which is really impressive for a second grader. Absolutely. Um, and it was just such a cool experience kind of viewing it and as um, a parent and kind of seeing how my students or my, my kids were reacting to it that we reached out and said, hey, what can we do to help you to really, you know, kind of get a little bit more um, foothold for this, this product line that you have. Um, and so we're just helping them kind of launch um, beyond our local community. And so, um, so yeah, so I, there's always things like that. And I think as a marketer, we would love to help everybody um, yeah. who has these really amazing projects. Um, and we, you know, we can't always help everybody um, <laughs> pro bono, but um, we've really been able to kind of help um, clients in all levels really set them up for success, um, whether they're these huge education companies that have endless budgets or these small startups that really just need some focus and some, you know, kind of guidance and coaching to kind of um, help them launch the next level. I'm so glad to hear that because it does feel a lot of times within the public education system that failing is punitive. Mm -hmm. You know, it is looked upon as like, you know, the, the state testing is the most important thing. And if you don't do well on that, you know, the world's coming to an end, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's such a terrible system rather. And because that's one of the things that through all of the guests, they've all failed. Mm -hmm. Everyone fails, but it's never about the failing. It's about what you do next and, and mm -hmm. how you learn from that and how you grow and how you change. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a proponent of seeing more of that, um, in schools and having our, you know, the next generation having a better handle on like, oh, well that didn't work out the way I thought. Okay, cool. How am mm -hmm. I going to change this? What am I going to do next? <laughs> Exactly. And it's such a good, you know, skill, like you're saying, it's such a good skill to build because we have always been taught and, in, in, you know, kind of in traditional education, it's this idea of failing is bad, either, you know, you have to start over or you get a, a bad grade or, you know, something like yeah. that. And so just kind of acknowledging that it's okay. And I think that's such emotional growth for kids too, to be able to say like, I made a mistake. It's okay. I'm going to figure out how to fix it. And that's just, such a great concept to be able to grapple with and um, really, you know, kind of pushing them forward in new ways. Yeah. I'm just thinking now, like how so many classes are set up as pass or fail. It's not yeah. that you succeeded. <laughs> You've just passed right? Mm -hmm. and then fail yeah. is like, oh my gosh, you know, the end all. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I feel like we could have a whole episode just 
going into detail on that, (laughs) but I would love to thank you so much for being here and for sharing your journey and, um, how you serve the world. Uh, what's the best way for someone to reach out to you if they would like to get more information, like to work with you? Sure. So, um, our website is, um, edtomarket.com. So it's ed2market.com. Um, you could find us on all the social channels at edtomarket. Um, LinkedIn is a great way to connect with me. Um, and yeah, you can also contact us through the website. So thank you so much for having me. It's been fun chatting and, um, really enjoyed our time today. Oh my gosh. It's been my pleasure. And I will make sure I have all of the links in the show notes, um, for everyone to, to click on and make it very nice and easy to do. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) Well, thank you for the listeners for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to like subscribe and share it with your audience. If there is a particular topic or industry that you are curious about, please reach out so that we can find the perfect guest to interview and get all of your questions answered until next time, everyone have a great day.